Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Steve Dodge's story is one of sheer inspiration. Steve always had a passion for sport, especially running, but as a result of a near-fatal car accident in 2002, both his legs were crushed and he was told he may never walk again. Indeed, could lose both legs. So when I tell you that he went on to not only push himself through unimaginable pain barriers to walk again, but that he also became a multi-award-winning paratriathlete and that two of those awards were as world champion, you will get an idea of the determination and resilience this man has. Now retired as an athlete, Steve Judge has become an international motivational speaker and his attitude when he was in a wheelchair was that his accident hadn't ruined his life, but instead had changed his life. And this sums up the immense positivity he shares with people at his hugely inspiring and entertaining events. And he's flown all the way down from Edinburgh to be with us in the studio today. So what can I say? But thank you very much, Steve. It's great to have you in the studio on the Sandro Forte podcast. Not a problem. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And I see this as an opportunity. So great to see you, great to meet you and looking forward to having a chat with you. Big opportunity indeed. Lots and lots of people out there listening to this who I'm sure will be emailing us with lots and lots of questions which we'll pass on. And we'll talk about it in a moment, but you have a rather wonderful book, uh, far thicker and therefore (laughs) more full of content than mine. Clearly not the draft excluder that mine is, but we'll talk about that in a second. Steve, if you would, for those who are not familiar with Steve, and I know quite a lot about you because of the speaking circuit and various other things, your your name precedes you and your reputation too. Tell us about, first of all, your life before your accident. Okay, so uh, it's always hard to know how far to go back, but I think what I'd like to mention is is, is running. Running was my passion as a, as a kid. Uh, even as a teenager, I'd run with the family. We'd, we'd do those fun run things, uh, you know, with my mum, my dad, my brother, my sister. And we did them for fun. And I, I loved doing them. So running was a, a real passion of mine because I just loved doing it. Scouting. Scouting was a massive big thing for me as well, for me and my family. Um, I did it for the fun, the challenge, the adventure. But also you know, the life skills and the opportunities that you get within scouting. And I love the badges. So I used to be that scout that used to take the badge book home. And I used to flick through that badge book looking for the next one that I wanted. And when I found that badge that I wanted, I'd I'd then ask for help from my mum, my dad, the scout leader, of course. And it's about asking for help and and letting them help you work towards it. So I did that. Uh, When I left school, I worked down the coal pits of Yorkshire, so not a lot, not a lot of people know that. So I um, I was a maintenance uh, fitter, a mechanical engineer, build up the big mining machines, about as big as a tank. And when they were down the pit, if they ever broke down, I would get the phone call in the workshop and I'd have to, to grab my kit and go down there and get that machine up and running. And do you know what? I don't know what those guys did to those machines because they were in a real mess. But I had to, I had that problem you know, offered to me and I had to come up with a solution. I had to be ingenious with the ideas I came up, even robbing other parts from broken down machines to get my machine up and running. I couldn't lean on excuses. I had to get that machine up and running. It was at the coal face. And as soon as it did, then I got the hell out of there because it was dirty and dusty and everything. But you know, I loved the job in itself. 
But that, you know, that takes me through my, my teenage years, I guess. Uh, I carried on with running because I loved that. And a real family, you know, you know with the, my mum, my dad, my brother and my sister. And we did lots of things together, lots of barbecues outside. And we lived in, uh, in Bawtree, just outside of Doncaster. So lovely growing up memories. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We've already got so much in common, which we'll, <laughs> we probably haven't got time to talk about in half an hour, but we'll talk about afterwards over lunch because that's something I'm looking forward to. Uh, this sounds like a really, really trite question, but... Sounds to me as if you had quite a normal life, yes. you know, uh, archetypal, everything happy, yep. decent job at the time, yep. uh, secure family environment. Yeah. Then a completely new reality hits you. How how did you feel about the reality of your situation when you were told you may never walk again? I think being in the hospital, you know, just getting out of the operation where they'd, they'd managed to save my legs and 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 having it explained to me that they'd done the best that they could even though one of my legs was like four inches shorter and the other one was just completely trash but they'd done their best they laid it on the line they said look we've done our best but we've got to tell you Steve you know you may never walk again with the, the injuries that you've got and how I felt was just I felt really angry but I think when somebody gives you information like that it's like a fight or flight you, you can either roll over in bed and just say okay I give in you know I guess I'll never walk again but I just felt angry. I felt really furious that somebody had the audacity to say that to me. They didn't even know me. You know, they, they'd mended my legs and now I thought it was over to me. So to say that I couldn't do it, I was like, I'll show you. I'll show you what I can do. Don't you dare tell me that I may never walk again. You know, and, and I think I grabbed the gauntlet there to, to prove them wrong almost. And I think I, I do that with a lot of things is when somebody tells me that I can't do something, it's like a red rag to a bull. And, and maybe I'm not alone on this. Maybe there's other people out there that you know, thrive with that. And I think that's what I've done throughout, you know, either giving myself red rags, I guess, you know, and, and setting myself goals, which are hard. Of course, they're hard, you know, going out of my comfort zone. But that's that, I think that's where it started. And I think I've always done that. You know, when I talked about scouting with the badges and working towards them. But I think... Having the accident, like a, a near fatal accident, it kind of suddenly woke me up to, and it sounds a bit cheesy, but you know, you've only got one life. And it suddenly woke me up to the, the aspiration that I've got to start doing something with this life. I've got to start not only getting out of hospital, but what can I do after that? And that takes us on the journey, I guess, throughout, mm. which I, I constantly look at and move forward with. How do people, uh, you've used that expression, wake up. How do people wake up without having to put themselves through a near fatal accident? Because that's a problem for a lot of people, isn't it? They they have goals and aspirations and never quite get out of the starting blocks. Yeah. How how, how do people, and you've got bags of experience. I mean, you, you tread the boards all over the world now. Yeah. Um, and you kind of, through your inspirational uh, messages, you kind of coach people on this yeah. journey to success. But how do people get out of the starting block in life? So I think it, it's something inside you. You have to ask yourself. So I... In my workshops, in my presentations, I'm always asking the audience, what do you want? What's your goal, as I call it? What's that thing, that, that burning desire inside you, that thing that you really want, that thing that when you think about it, you get a little bit nervous, but also a little bit excited, that thing that when you think, when you can imagine yourself succeeding or achieving in that thing, it makes you smile a little bit. That is the thing. That's what you've got to find. And I, I believe that everybody's got something inside them. They just need to open up to themselves to realize what that thing is. And once they found that thing, then they can start working towards it. And it's usually something that makes them happy. And what I found as well with my experience is it's usually something along the lines of helping other people. And that's really nice. Um, you know, people say, oh, I want to have lots of money. You go, oh, okay, and what are you going to use the money for? I'm going to take my family on holiday. Like, oh, 
or I'm going to you know, help my family, or I'm going to support the charity. So there's always, you no know, the end line is usually helping other people, but it doesn't have to be. But as long as you find that thing, because once you found that thing, that gold, as I would call it, like I said, then that will motivate you because there will be times on your journey when you are feeling unmotivated and you, you struggle to get out of bed in the morning. But if you've got that vision of what you're working towards, and it could be a vision in your head, it could be a picture, like a vision board, it could be a drawing. So in my workshops, we, we draw pictures. We draw pictures of where you are now, uh, which could be a good place or a bad place or a stressful place. But more importantly, we draw a picture of where you want to be. Where is that vision? And it, it can be five years, 10 years time. It doesn't really matter. But where are you? What are you doing? How do you feel? Who's around you? Draw that picture and then put that picture somewhere that you can see it, like on the fridge or in the bathroom. So you see it every, you know, twice a day or something, but somewhere so you can see it. And, and when you see it each time, you think, right, that's why I'm doing all this. Because it's going to be a long journey and there's going to be a lot of learning involved and maybe, you know, experiences and time. All of these things come into it. I'm, I, I struggle on this because I'm impatient. So I, I'm very impatient and I, I understand the um, instant gratification and long-term gratification. So um, I, I like instant gratification, but I know that that doesn't work. Things like buying a lottery ticket, I tried that, didn't work. Long gratification, you know, go to university, get some studying, get a job, that, that does work. But the thing is, I'm impatient. So much as I've got a long-term gratification in my head, I'm impatient every single day. And that's fine because I use that frustration, almost that anger to push myself every single day so that eventually I do succeed in my goals. And that's what I, I, I get across to the people in my workshops, hearing me speak that, you know, they've got to keep on going. And that's when it gets difficult, which is why they need to have, you know, other people say, have the end in mind, mm. have that vision and then work towards it. I'm, I'm really interested to explore two things with you, actually, based on what you've been talking about. And as everyone I think knows by now. These aren't rehearsed. We no. just literally <laughs> show up and uh, and we start a conversation. So based on a couple of things you you said, the the pain, the physical pain that you went through yeah. during the early stages of your recovery and indeed for a period afterwards, I guess is a bit of a metaphor for the the pain that a lot of people feel in life right now or yeah. business because they're finding it difficult to move from, from one place to another. Um, are there any kind of, um, are, are there any regimes or processes? Is it something as simple as reconnecting with that vision that you speak of? Is there, is it more scientific than that? Is there a process you go through to get yourself out of those moments where you think, I'm going to pull the duvet over my head, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier, and just give up for the day? Um, there's a couple of things. I think routine is a really good one to get to get into. Uh, have you heard of James Clear, who talks mm. about habits, atomic habits? Amazing. I, I heard him speak earlier this year. And as he was speaking, I was just nodding my head saying, I do that. I do that. That's great. I do. Oh, I don't do that. Oh, that's interesting. So there's more that you can do, even though you think you're doing everything. There's, 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 there's always more you can learn from other people. So routine is great. I have a great routine. Um, my routine is, I'll go through it very briefly. In the morning, uh, 5.30, I get up and I do some uh, personal development by reading a book. Not the whole thing, but just a, a, a little bit of a book. Uh, that, that wakes me up. I get on the floor, do some exercises, get some endorphin released. And then I, I go into a yoga position. I do some uh, visualization. And that's when I visualize about what I want, my goal, as I was just talking about. Once I can see that, you know, and I need to spend maybe a couple of minutes doing this. 
And I open my eyes and I'm smiling because I've just seen what I am going to achieve. And I just think, I want that. I want that so much. It really gets me excited. I then go back over to my chair. I give myself words of affirmation, which is, it always sounds quite strange because you're giving yourself a lot of positivity, telling yourself that, you know, you can do this. I can do this. You know, you won't lean on your excuses. You've got this, Steve. You are ingenious. And it sounds quite a big headed thing and very un-British of us to, to do things like that, but it works. And if, you, if you're if you not prepared to say things like that to yourself, well, then who is? Mm. So I do that every single morning and then I get a pen and paper out and I write down five things, just five, that will take me towards my vision that I've just seen in my head. And um, just five things and, and, and I've got those for later on in the day because that takes me to about seven o'clock, the kids wake up, I get them ready for school, they go off to school. And when I sit down at my desk and there's loads of things going on, emails and phone calls and things like that, I've got those five things that I need to do that will take me towards my vision, my goal. And that's really important to me. So, so that's, that's ultimately, you know, the, the main thing that I do every single morning. But you were talking about, you know, when you feel unmotivated. And I was trying to think when I was writing my book, what key, and a lot of people ask me, how do you keep motivated all the time? So I always say my vision, my vision keeps me motivated. But yes, I do have times when I struggle. Uh, I always feel like it's, because um, people compare, they say, Steve, you're such a superman. You're amazing. How do you do this? I say, I'm not like this all the time. I have this like kryptonite, you know, when it brings you down. So I think everybody needs their, their anti-kryptonite. So what is that? Now, I don't know what everybody else's is, but for me, it's music. So I have lots of playlists and I had a lot of playlists through my rehabilitation, through being an elite athlete. And some of these tunes are very, very cheesy. Some of them are very motivational and some of them are just very special to me. And all I have to do when I'm feeling low or unmotivated is press play. Just press play and the music will just pick me up and then I can start thinking again, feeling positive again. And that will take me forward. And because of I like that so much, I've put a lot of these tunes in my book. So it's like... um. um a playlist to listen to while you're reading through the book. And again, these are my tunes, so nobody can judge me. <laughs> there's some there's some Chesney Hawks in there. There's uh, ACDC, there's Prodigy. There's a real mixture there, um, but they're special to me and they help me to keep motivated and keep pushing me forward. We will not hold any of those against you. <laughs> Thank you. I've got my own playlist. It would make your toes curl. Um, just press play. It almost sounds like the title of another book. But anyway, um, the other part of the question I have for you, Steve, is... You didn't just decide to walk again, and it was a decision that you made, clearly. You decided, you had this harebrained idea to take it to another level altogether and to become uh, a champion, world champion triathlete. How on earth did you make that transition? Because re-establishing yourself in terms of just the ability to get from one place to another in life, walking, was clearly tough enough. But then you took it to a whole new level. How did you transition from one place to the other. So I think it's, it's very much in small steps. When I was in hospital, all I wanted to do was get out of hospital. Then I had to grow my leg back. So I did that. I learned to stand again and walk again. And I was, you know, I got back to some normality, although there is no such thing as normal. That's what I realized because I was very different to what I was before the accident. But then I wanted to push myself physically. I wanted to make sure this accident, this thing, this accident thing hadn't had a detrimental effect on my life. I wanted to, to prove it wrong. 
Um, and so I was doing physical challenges. I was thinking about what I could do rather than what I couldn't do. I couldn't run anymore. So I, I started swimming. I could do that. My, my feet didn't work very well. It wasn't really a flipper action at the back. I was using upper body, but I wasn't leaning on excuses. I did swimming and lots of events in that. And then I eventually got onto a bike, a push bike, you know, going into the, the hills and feeling the wind in my hair was absolutely amazing. Again, the endorphin release. And that was difficult for me because I had no calf muscle in my right leg and my left leg didn't work properly, but I was doing it. And, you know, people ask me, this is Steve, you're always setting goals and working towards them. Have you always been like this? This is a big question I get. Have I always been? And I said, I think I've mentioned this already, you know, not with my work or school, but hobbies, scouting was very much so. And I remember going into the loft and looking through a, a photo album, looking for some old photos of me and scouts. And I found this, this classic one. I was 10 and a half years old. I've just got cover of the year in Bawtree. Uh, and the first three badges that I ever got in scouting on my arm were swimming, cycling, and running. And I just thought, wow, that, that's like a message to me. And I just thought, I just felt compelled to, to, to find some goals uh, and, and do something with them. But to be honest, slight digression here. While I was in the loft, I found this, this traveling box. Uh, I had mementos in it. And uh, I reached inside and I found this thing that uh, this this Japanese guy had given me. To cut a long story short, I was in Australia, traveling around the world, floods came down, got stranded in this hostel with this Japanese guy, taught him to speak English uh, over two days. And as a thank you gift, he gave me this five yen coin. And he said, this is called a Goen, uh, which stands for good karma. And I give this to you, Steve, and it will bring you good karma as long as you are aware of your vision and seize opportunities. Now, I didn't think too much about it at the time. Uh, that day he went off to Darwin. I, I went into the outback and I found this thing called the Natural Wall of China. I got on this massive wall and I had my arms aloft and I reached into my pocket and I had this going coin. And I got it then that if you're aware of your vision and you seize opportunities along the way, you can achieve amazing things. And with that in mind, while I sat in the loft, I got this coin and I, I put some shoestrings through it and I got it around my neck. And I thought, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need this good luck, this good karma to set myself these new challenges. And I went down to the internet and I was looking through, looking for an event. And I found this thing called a triathlon. I thought, damn, I, I can't run, but maybe I could do the swim and the run, uh, swim and the cycle and I could just walk around the run routes. That's what I would do. And I scroll down a bit further and there's a thing called a power triathlon, uh, triathlon for disabled people. And I just thought, wow, I, I wonder if I'm disabled. I wonder with my injuries, I, whether I could register for that. Uh, I went down, they, I got um, assessed by the assessors and they asked me lots of questions, did lots of exercises with me and said, Mr. Judge, you are disabled. I, I'm <laughs> sorry to interrupt. I'm fascinated. I honestly, my jaw's hanging open. Uh, you didn't know whether you were disabled. No. I mean, one leg's four inches shorter than the other one. <laughs> so I got my leg to the right length again, but I had you no know, limited movement. I was in a lot of pain. But, you know, what is the definition of disabled? Yeah. There's lots of people with injuries and pain and stuff like that. And I didn't know whether I could be registered as a disabled athlete. And mm. so when they said you are, I was like, great. This yeah. is great because <laughs> now there were no barriers in front of me. Now I could compete as a disabled athlete. And they said to me there and then, they said, Steve, can you run? And I said, not yet. Because no, I hadn't run for seven and a half years. That had been stolen from me. That thing that I loved doing as a child was taken away from me. And now I had this goal, this thing, this triathlon thing that I really wanted to do. And I said, I'm going to start trying, trying to run again. And I must admit, I sounded like a, a one-legged elephant coming down the road, you no know, stomping away. But I also remember looking down at my feet and just thinking, wow, look at me. I'm running again. This is absolutely amazing. And, that, that, and the thing is, when I run, uh, I had so much pain the next day. 
I could not run. Uh, I was in, in agony. So all I could do was, was swim. So I swam. And the day after that, I was still in pain. So I cycled. And the day after that, the pain had gone. So I ran again because I, I love to run and I could run. So I was always thinking about what I could do rather than what I couldn't do. Yeah, that's that's uh, amazing. I've also I didn't hear these words, but I'm gonna I'm gonna create the word for you okay. based on what you've just said. I love how you have almost repackaged the problem, so or the challenge, whatever you want to call it. So there you were, uh, you had had your ability to run well yeah. taken away from you, but all you did was just repackage it and did it yeah a different way yeah um and that i think is probably the first time we've heard that message on this podcast series the, the thing is that there's lots of things i think you, when you've got a goal and there's, there's lots of goals that you you strive towards and i strive towards them as well and there's lots of barriers and sometimes you will struggle to achieve that goal so my version of that is don't change the goal don't ever change the goal just change the plan and so yes i couldn't run as i used to but I could still run. So that was my plan to think about what I could do. So mm. yeah, having that on board meant that I could still go for my goals. They just had to modify how I'd get there. And you have, you know, you're an inspiration to a lot of people. How inspired were you by the people you were competing against? Because they had oh. their ho a whole range of disabilities. Yeah. Um, what, what have you learned from other people that you've competed against in particular? They are incredible people. And I've learned, and one of my messages is don't compare to other people. Everybody's different. Everybody's got their own skills. However, there are some people that are out there that are just amazing. Uh, people with missing arms, missing legs, visually impaired, completely blind, doing a triathlon or power triathlon. Uh, the people that impressed me the most, I feel, is the, uh, the visually impaired or, or blind. Mm. Because it's not only for the event itself, and they have a guide, um, going into a lot of detail. Some people are thinking, how on earth do they do it? They have a guide with them. Um, but it's the training. You know, all their, a lot of their training has to be with the guide. And it's hard enough just getting out yourself and doing some training. They have to phone their guide up, arrange to meet. Then they can do some track training. They have to, if they go on the bike, then obviously need a tandem bike and need to go and do it together. Swimming, you know, if they're, they're completely blind, they can swim at length, but they need somebody to tell them where the end of the pool is. Otherwise, they're going to keep hitting the head. Mm. And just things like if they're going to the lake, then they obviously need a guide and everything. The hassle of all their training, yet they don't lean on their excuses. They, they get on with it. And then in the race, oh my goodness, the, the amount of trust that they have with their guide and how much communication. And they're talking while they're running. You know, I, I hardly, I, yeah. I, I struggle just to breathe, let alone talk to the person next to me. So yeah, I, I am inspired by the other power triathletes, not comparing, but just inspired by what they've, what they've been through, but more than what they, more about what they achieve in that sport. You don't strike me as the kind of person who took up motivational speaking because you had nothing else to do. Uh, <laughs> Not, not given all those cub badges, Steve. No. Um, so how did you find it or how did it find you? Was it something that you felt that you wanted, needed to do? How did, it, how did all that come about? So retiring from international competition, I had an amazing story. I'd achieved so much. And I think it first started with my sister asking me to go and speak at her school uh, where her kids were at Bishop Stortford. And I said, yeah, no problem. I went down there and I loved it. You know, I got so much feedback. It was great. I started putting a, a few more out there. I made my own business cards and I started giving them out saying, you know, if you want me to come and speak. And so I was doing all of that. And then I, I changed jobs and I was working for the Scout Association in the media team. Did that for about three years. It's a three-year contract. And at the end of that, I'd done a bit more speaking. But at the end of that, that contract, they said, well, okay, Steve, so what are you going to do now? You know, this, this contract's finished. What are you going to do? And I said, I I'm going to be a motivational speaker. <laughs> and they said, wow, that sounds awesome, Steve. Steve, how are you going to do that? 
And I said, I have not got a clue. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. But the thing is, by by then I'd worked out that if you've got a vision, something that a burning desire, that gold thing, you should follow it. You should follow your heart. And so I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. And I, you know, Google is usually a good, a good, good, uh, good search one to to use. And I found um, the PSA, Professional Speakers Association, and I I went there. And to go there, to go to the PSA and meet a load of people in a room that are speaking, you know, in their business or have that as a job, that inspired me. I thought, wow, if they can do it. I can do this as well. Mm. And so that really inspired me. On my first meeting at the PSA, uh, somebody came up to the, the president of, of Yorkshire and she said, Steve, we would love you to join. If you do join, by the way, I just want to let you know that you can enter a speaking competition. And I said, well, tell me more. She said, well, it's five minutes, no slides or anything, but you know, you, you get to, to, to perform and we, you will get judged by the other speakers in the room. I said, that sounds an absolute nightmare. <laughs> count me in <laughs> because this is what I wanted. I knew I had to go out of my comfort zone and this is what I needed to push myself to, to get better because I thought I was a good speaker. And it's only when you start comparing yourself with other speakers or you get feedback from other speakers, you suddenly realize you've got a long way to go. And I've been on my speaking journey for three years now and I've learned so much. I've become so much better. I've done a TEDx talk. That's like four years ago, but that makes me cringe. I was the best that I could be on the day but I, I've improved a lot since then. And I'm so privileged now that in January, I'm going to be the president of Yorkshire PSA. Uh, it's, again, it's my chance to give something back to the community, to the people that have helped me, but also to the, the new generation of speakers or the, you know, the people that want to become speakers because I know how difficult it is. And if I can help them in any way, and that's what I really want to do. I did not know that yeah. about you becoming president of the uh, oh, PSA <laughs> in Yorkshire. I will have to come and support you since, oh, yes. since I live in Bawtry. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. Um, so what next then for the speaking career? I mean, what are you hoping to achieve? Anything, since, since vision is very much a part of who you are, have you got any thoughts about where, you, where you're taking this business, where you want to go? I mean, is this, we're talking world travel, uh, uh, yeah, becoming so, the best speaker in the world? <laughs> I want to be one of the best speakers in the UK. Uh, I know with smart goals, it's supposed to be achievable and realistic, but I haven't really settled down on exactly what I want. I just enjoy doing what I'm doing. So I guess in my business, I've been running it on passion. Uh, I've now got a business coach, Mark Thackeray from Action Coach, and he's amazing. Uh, he has he tutors me every week, and he's making me, helping me to make my business more of a structure, more procedures, uh, policies, so that I can eventually, this is what I really want, to pass all the bits of the business that I don't like doing onto somebody else. The admin, the accounts, the, the bookings, the logistics. And then that leaves me to be standing on the stage and doing what I absolutely love. And again, this is what I encourage people to do. Find out what makes them happy. What makes me happy is standing on the stage, not driving. So, you know, one of my goals is to have a driver to take me to the event. Sounds very posh, doesn't it? But I know, and I love driving, but it's stressful. Oh my goodness, you know, getting there. And the, the, getting make, making sure that the, check, the, the, the tech works and the computers and the clicker, if somebody could do that for me and I just arrived and spoke, that's what I really want. So my vision is very much being on a big stage still um, having a massive long queue of people wanting to buy my book and have it signed and having selfies. And I'm, I'm achieving that now, which is great. But I think my, my main goal now is giving back. You know, I love giving back, whether that's in scouting, which I, I do now as a, as a Cub Scout leader, um, but also in speaking. So becoming president, one of my main roles there is to help the, the new people coming in. 
And one of the things I'm doing now is I'm writing my second book and that's on speaker coaching. So I've learned so much on the skills of becoming a speaker. I didn't know it was so technical. <laughs> There's so much to learn. So I've now put all this in a book. It's going to be an ebook. It's going to be a free giveaway uh, because I want to help people, but also I'm going to start coaching people as well. And who knows, you know, I, I might coach somebody to go into their speaker factor to, you know, to do these competitions. But also I believe that everybody's got a story in them. And if they want to share that story with other people, then I want to give them the skills, the expertise to do that in the best way so that other people remember it, are entertained by it and get something for it, get, get the message from them and take it on to others. So that's what I want to do. I want to give something back. Good for you. I, I've never heard anyone uh, talk uh, so effervescently about giving back. Uh, it's clearly what makes you the person you are. So to... Um, a person out there listening to this podcast, Steve, who you know might be battling some kind of adversity at the moment, uh, how do they find the positivity? You've mentioned vision, but how do they find the positivity within themselves to believe in who they are and what they can achieve? Is there a couple of words of wisdom that you might offer to people who find themselves in a difficult place right now? Yeah, I, th I think we all deal with adversity and so it can be in different levels. And it, again, you shouldn't compare. But I think when adversity hits you, the first thing you've got to do is sulk. I think it's very important. And sometimes Good you answer. can't help it. Yeah. Good answer. You've got to get like angry. You've you got you to slam a door. You've got to sulk and just like mope around. The thing is, is you've got to ask, you've got to tell yourself and talk to yourself. I do this a lot talking to myself. Talk to yourself and, and work out how long you're going to sulk for. Is it going to be a minute, an hour? A day, a couple of days. Us men, we, we can sulk for days, uh, you know, given the chance. But you decide. Keep asking yourself, are we still sulking? Yes, I am still sulking. I'm, you know, I'm so frustrated and annoyed. Mm. Okay, all right, I get it. But then you've got to decide when you're going to stop. And once you stop, that's when you start making, taking action. Okay, right. How are we going to deal with this? How are we going to make sure that that's the, that thing never, ever happens again? And putting things in place, taking action, uh, making movement, asking for help. You know, this is a very hard thing to do, asking for help. But usually it's the best way of doing it. So doing that, working out who, who's your support team, who are your peers that you can ask for help for, and doing that as well and making action. So that's what I'd recommend for anybody to do, no matter how big the adversity. And what about patience? I just want to touch on that word because no one has had to deal with that challenge more than you. So is is patience an important part of the process? Because success doesn't happen overnight. Goals and visions don't just suddenly mm. you know, appear out of nowhere. Um, so the recovery doesn't happen overnight. How do you deal with your impatience <laughs> and a desire to kind of want everything tomorrow uh, <laughs> without becoming demoralised? <laughs> I don't know. I'm working on that one. So uh, yeah, I'm very positive. Um, but patience... I'm not the best person. I am impatient. I get that. I, I'm very impatient. And that's what fuels me. That's what I use. That I use the frustration, the anger. You know, the, the, the fact that I'm not on these big stages yet and other people are. And I, I watch them and I'm not super critical, but I just think I'm just as good as them. I've got an amazing story. Why aren't I on that stage? That that really frustrates me. I'm impatient. So that drives me forward. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't feel it brings me down at all. I'm still keeping a, a positive mindset, but only after a period of time, you know, after I get the frustration, once I calm down a little bit, I think, well, okay, I'm clearly very impatient about that. What do I need to do? Let's take some, some action instead of just moaning. I, I can't stand people that moan about stuff, but do nothing about it. It just frustrates me. If you're angry about something, then 
know, do do something, do something about it. Use that anger, put it to good use. Use that impatience, put it to good use. And so that's what I do with myself. After I've done the impatient thing, I sit down and make a, a plan of action. I love plans of action. Lots of a big list of things to do and prioritize them. You know, A's, B's, C's, and the A's are really important. And then once you've done the whole list, just do the A's. Don't even touch the B's until you've done the A's. Just do the A's because that will take you. And this comes back to my my five things that I write down in the morning. They're the ones that will take me to my vision. That's the thing that I really want. And I know the emails and the phone calls are important. I've got to do those as well. Those five things. And it's also about going through the whole day and living your whole life with no regrets. And I ask myself at the end of every single day, as my head hits the pillow, Steve, any regrets? And it's a lovely feeling when I've got absolutely no regrets. I say, no, I've blitzed it today. I'm absolutely exhausted. I've done everything I meant to. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm very honest with that. Sometimes I think, no, no, I, I got you know waylaid on that. And sometimes it's, it's not my fault. You should always take responsibility. But what I mean is sometimes the kids might want to play with me or they come home from work, from school early and they say, you know, can you play with me? And I say, well, you know, I've got these emails to do. And I go, no, sure. I'll go and play with the kids. Mm. So I didn't do all the emails, but I played with the kids. No regrets. Yeah. No, you can only ask yourself, only you can answer that question as well. Very good answer. It was a kind of rhetorical question. So I'm glad you've been so <laughs> honest in the answer. Uh, since time is pressing, I've got yes. two more things to ask okay. you. One is tell us about the book. And okay. more importantly, tell us how we find out about Steve Judge, where we get hold of you, how we interact with you, uh, social media, website, all that stuff. Okay, right. The book is amazing. It really is life-changing. It's my autobiography. I'll take you through. When people hear me on the stage, they hear 45 minutes. This is 17 years. That's why it's a big book. What I like about it, it's got pictures in it. It's got poems in it. It's got feelings. It's got uh, diary entries from when I was in the hospital. It's an absolutely fantastic book. I guess also Christmas is coming up. If this is not for you, <laughs> I love it's it. certainly for somebody uh, else as well. That's the best sales pitch <laughs> I've had on this podcast. Very good. Oh, I don't know when the podcast is coming out, but anyway. <laughs> What about website? And website, like yeah. So uh, www.steve-judge.co.uk. Nice and simple. Social media, absolutely. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of those are just Steve Judge. Instagram is at Scout Judge, um, but otherwise YouTube or just Google Steve Judge. I pretty much come up you at do. the top. So. I've, I've already tried. You do. <laughs> yeah, Steve Judge. You do. Final question, and you probably know this because you've listened to a few podcasts. Uh, son, daughter comes up to you and says, Dad, the man with all the wisdom in the world from all of his experiences in life, <laughs> we want one simple piece of advice from Dad to help us find our way in life. What would the Steve Judge piece of advice be? Gosh, one piece of advice. Um, it, it really is about, you know, believing in yourself. You know, you've got that goal. You, you're working towards it. Don't change the goal. Change the plan. You know, don't see things as failure and you see them as feedback and take them on board. But the main thing is my message from the book is there are going to be barriers that stop you in your journey or, or hinder you. You've got to see those barriers as excuses. You've got to bash through those barriers and you can only do that by turning those barriers into excuses and turning those excuses into challenges. If you do all of that, that would be great. That's awesome. That's what you need to do. But more than that, every single day, all the time, leading up to your goal, your journey, your, your judgment day, be the best that you can be. Because if you do that, then you'll have no regrets and you will achieve your gold. That was a great answer. Thank you. 
Uh, what can I say? I, I've been nothing other than motivated and inspired, and I'm sure everyone out there has as well. So all that remains for me to say, Steve Judge, I'm sure we'll have you back again because that was <laughs> fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. It was really what amazing insight into uh, the trials and tribulations and all the successes of somebody who's achieved so much. So I do appreciate it. No problem. I really appreciate you having the opportunity to come here, speak to you and share with your listeners as well. And I look forward to coming back and, and talk about my the next chapter that I'm working on and tell you all about that. Without question. Thank you. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. What can I say? Steve Judge, that was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. So please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember, as always, follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast, Sandro's with an S. I know it's boring, but everyone makes the mistake and continue to send us those stories and ideas and anecdotes, challenges, whatever it is that motivates you. So please keep the emails coming. Hello at sandrospodcast.com and please leave the feedback reviews on iTunes. So we know what you'd like more of in the future, particularly people like Steve Judge. And don't forget to connect with me on social media, Sandro Forte on Twitter and LinkedIn and the real Sandro Forte on Instagram. Until next week, bye for now.